Welcome to the Proletarian Contrarian, the podcast where we reevaluate bad films through a leftist perspective. I'm Nick. And I'm Lewis. And uh, I heard something through the grapevine earlier today, uh, Lewis. How about you? Yeah, I've, I've heard some scuttlebutt. Yeah, it's uh, something Something came to the transom um, this morning and just it was really related to this podcast, but like uh, it's something about Rob Reiner, I think. Yeah, I heard some tea about him. Um, rumor has it that Rob Reiner is a shitty director <laughs> and this film is a steaming pile of shit. <laughs> uh, rumor has it that that little bit that we just slapped together two minutes ago is funnier than anything in this movie. <laughs> Yeah, that's really true. Not to shoot our own horn, uh, but yeah, Rob Reiner's 2005 film, Rumor Has It, is awful. Perhaps one of the worst yeah. films we've done. I don't know. Although Suicide Squad is... We've been saying that a lot. We have to, yeah. we have to dial back, dial that back. Mm, that's, I don't know. That's that's what this podcast has become now. <laughs> that's true. That's true. We, we always got to ratchet it up every episode. <laughs> Um, but yeah, we we just watched Rumor Has It, um, which came out in 2005, directed by Rob Reiner, obviously. Um, starring Jennifer Aniston, Kevin Costner, Shirley MacLaine, Mark Ruffalo, Richard Jenkins, and Mina Suvari. Um, this is a weird movie. It's like The Force Awakens for The Graduate. <laughs> yeah, it's it like, really is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's like a kind of a direct sequel, but like they waited 30 years to make it. And um, it's such a weird genesis for this movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's sort of like a spiritual successor as well because it's not really a sequel because it doesn't take place in the graduate extended universe, you know? (laughs) (laughs) And and there is a graduate extended universe, which we'll have to get into. Yeah, we'll have to get into that. We've done something amazing. (laughs) I really found this out five minutes before we recorded. Um, But it's it's, it's, it's it's gold. It's pretty great. Um, but yeah, so it takes place ostensibly in the real world in the year 1997, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 97. Um, it follows Jennifer Aniston, who is an obituary and wedding like journalist, in quotation marks. She never likes to be called a journalist, but everybody in her hometown of Pasadena, California, calls her a right. journalist. Right. Um, and she, the, point, the point is she's unhappy with her job. Yeah, she's very unhappy with her job. Um, she's unhappy with her uh, engagement to Mark Ruffalo, the Hulk. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bruce Banner himself. Bruce Banner himself. And when she goes back for her younger sister, Annie, played by Mina Savari's wedding in Pasadena, she learns that her family is the basis for the book and film The Graduate. Yeah, there's um we get a little bit of like a an opening sequence where um they kind of depict what 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 is is supposed to be like the real life events that inspired the graduate, right? right? Mm-hmm. But it's like very brief. It's like 10 seconds each. It's like oh, 10 seconds of of Mrs. Robinson being a seductress, 10 seconds of like the I forget the characters' names of the of the in the graduate, but of, of them getting married or like them yeah, running yeah. off together. Mm-hmm. Elizabeth, I think Elizabeth Robinson. Elizabeth and Ben. That's it. And Ben Braddock. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but it's it's like shot from behind, so they can actually kind of kind of technically show things that didn't really happen. It's it's kind of weird. Um, but those are like the only good shots of this movie, too, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, they're, they're they're not bad, but it's just like it's it's so obvious that it's like this is not. Um, 
this is not Dustin Hoffman because it's right. shown de- like deliberately from the back. It's mm-hmm. kind of like very yeah, very obvious. And they use a few scenes from the film throughout, like right. They show people watching the movie in mm-hmm. theaters. Yeah, um, like the the seduction scene where it's the right, the shot right. from between her crooked leg. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, so yeah, basically we learn that Jennifer Aniston is like related to all these people from the graduate and and like her her working through that it's 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 got this weird like almost like this like like family trauma thing yeah that's like <laughs> but it's this family trauma that all the women in this family share because they fucked kevin costner yeah yeah <laughs> very unfortunate or i don't know fortunate if you think of like 90s kevin costner like i'd fuck like wider point yeah no yeah. he 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 looks he's more he's like more engaged and like energetic in this movie than I've ever really seen him before. <laughs> he's like he cares he seems like he cares more about this movie than he did about like Waterworld or like Dances with Wolves. He's like actually into it kind of. Yeah, it's weird. At very, first very he doesn't seem very into it. Like at first the first few scenes we see of him, right. I'm just like, what is happening? Him and Shirley McLean, like they sort of sleepwalk through a lot of their first scenes and then right. they get a little, they pick up a little bit of steam. Although Shirley right. MacLaine, like she's just totally in for a paycheck and like, I don't blame her. I would too. Yeah, no, I, I don't blame any of the actors that they roped in for this. Just like do it, like punching in at the start of the day. That's the kind of movie it was clearly. Yeah. Which is weird because it was like a very troubled production is my understanding. So it's produced by Steven Soderbergh and George Clooney. First of all, yes, I noticed that. Which I saw is George absurd to me. Prominently, <laughs> in the the executive producer list was like seven or eight names yeah, long. Yeah, it was. It was this film is like a tax write off for these people. Yep, definitely. Oh yeah. Uh, yes. <laughs> the, these bougie, incestuous elites that will I, I think is like a relevant theme for this movie. But oh we'll yeah. Get into that later. Oh for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So the screenwriter of one of Soderbergh's films, Ocean's Eleven, um, screenwriter Ted right. Griffin w- is both the screenwriter and the original director of this film. Hmm. But he only directed maybe like a day's worth of footage is my understanding, or, or a few days worth of footage because he had some creative differences with the director of photography, Edward, Lack- Edward Lackman, who was the DP for Soderbergh's film, Aaron Brockovich, and also the Sofia Coppola film, Virgin Suicides. So I don't know what happened. There was some falling out there. Soderbergh uh, actually sided with the DP, Edward Lackman, and fired Ted Griffin. Um, Damn. Although Edward Lackman didn't get his job back. Like, this is DP'd by someone else entirely. And then Soderbergh hires Rob Reiner. Yeah. Yeah. I think Rob Reiner was allowed to pick his cinematographer i think that's what happened actually well he did a shit job at it because this movie looks like trash it does look like trash like it just it looks like a a commercial yeah it looks like like a commercial it looks like a made for tv movie um and then rob reiner also replaced several cast members do we have any information on who was replaced? A bunch of people who By don't matter at all, who I've never heard of, and then one person who I have, and we'll talk about that later. <laughs> okay. Okay. No, no, that's good. We're, we're all about uh, surprise introductions and, on program yeah, here. But honestly, um, like I, I only recognized one name out of this list, and maybe these people would have been big if they were in Rumor Has It when uh, Ted Griffin directed it. 
and uh, although, Lackman was the DP. Although I doubt it, because this movie only made seventy, made eighty-eight million against seventy million, so like it barely broke even. Yeah. Um, no matter who was involved in this film, I think it was always going to be trash. I mean, because they still right. worked off of Ted Griffin's screenplay. Yeah, I mean, but I mean, they there are like a number of big names. Like Jennifer Aniston was huge at the time. Yeah. In two thousand five, mm-hmm. um, Costner was was bigger then than he is now. Oh yeah. Um, the the Jennifer Aniston's dad is the same dad from Step Brothers. Yeah, Richard noticed, Jenkins. I think. He yep. was just getting his like fame in this moment. Right. Like I don't think he was in. I mean, The Visitor I think is like oh seven oh eight, um, and that's one of the first times he gets to be a leading man. Okay. And yeah, I mean Ruffalo's in it. He he was kind of that w- that was like before he really hit his stride again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think um, he's in the film in the cut right around the same time. Okay. Um which is directed by Jane Campion, the Australian director. Um okay. so yeah, this is like just when we're starting to have an introduction to Ruffalo as like a leading man. And I guess um yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that was well before Avengers because Avengers came out in 2012, and that was like the big thing that put him back on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for everyone's sure. Radar. Mm-hmm. But I think yeah. he kind of languished in these like dramedy films for a while before mm-hmm. that happened. Right. Um. But yeah, the people hate this movie, <laughs> justifiably so. It's got a 20% on Rotten Tomatoes, um, and a 41% for the audience Rotten Tomatoes, which is uh, it's pretty pretty low yeah. for us um, although that 41 I mean, percent is generous like yeah <laughs> no yeah this um it's very weird we do have a piece from the boston globe here by wesley morris uh morris writes rumor has it has a nifty premise whose endless comic sexual and cultural possibilities reiner has no apparent interest in exploring <laughs> once sarah jets to san francisco to confront the man who may have knocked her up her mother Romance breaks out like a rash. The movie turns to goop. Reiner has banished what wit there might have been in Ted Griffin's script and replaced it with a romantic comedy banalities that leave Sarah looking selfish and dim. The film makes a creaky parallel between its heroine and Benjamin Braddock, the protagonist in Webb's book in Mike Nichols' 1967 movie. They're both lost souls. Benjamin was adrift after college in the plastics era. Sarah is adrift in 1997 at, the movie asserts, the dawn of a major search engine. Otherwise, it's a tenuous connection. Aniston is in decent form for the part. She's not meant to hawk at anything harder than cotton candy. But no funny lady's charisma can compensate for Reiner's flatulent way with the material. Um, Yeah, that says it all. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> yeah. We're done. We, we don't even have to do the rest of this podcast. Cut print. Um, um, yeah, I love Wesley Morris. He was consistently the reviewer for the Boston Globe for quite some time. Um, And then I think that's when he, after the Boston Globe, he jumped to Grantland until Grantland went under. Um, And you don't really find him anywhere consistently right now. Um, He'll still write... Um, both reviews for films and, and plays every once in a while, but I don't think he has a like consistent home. Like I don't think he sure. he's like the top reviewer for any publication right now, which is a shame. I okay. mean, he's he's an incredible writer, um, and I always valued his criticism of just popular films like this. Yeah, this is um, it, it's really succinct, but like it cuts to the heart of 
this entire production like very efficiently um like i i was joking when i said we're done but like we're, we we could be done <laughs> just that, <laughs> with that excerpt excerpt specifically um there there are some specific things that we'll get into but like i know with this show we we essentially look for the good in 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 the rough here but um this this one was a slog yeah honestly yeah but thankfully it was only 96 minutes i think yeah no that was good yeah. like uh, like more movies need to ape that mm-hmm. on, like runtime definitely um, that was what we liked about this film it's like <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, I guess to to dive into the plot, um, we already established it's like a spiritual successor to The Graduate. Um, Jennifer Aniston she flies home to Pasadena with her fiance Mark Ruffalo, um, and they spe- specifically for her sister's wedding, and she kind of gleans from her grandmother at the time that her grandmother is Mrs. Robinson. Yeah, or or was right. Back in, back yeah, in Shirley MacLaine yeah. plays her grandmother, um, and they have some conversations about her dead mother, about Jennifer Aniston's uh, dearly departed mother, who would be the Elizabeth character from mm-hmm. The Graduate, and how conveniently dead, conveniently dead, really conveniently dead. Honestly, if she was yeah. alive, like this movie wouldn't. There really wouldn't be any thrust in this movie. It'd just be like, oh, True. <laughs> as mom. And she says, hey, I fucked Kevin Costner. <laughs> On with the show. You're up next. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the insane part of this movie. Um, yeah, so what's different in this version, it's not so much that uh, Kevin Costner and Jennifer Aniston's dead mom on the day of her wedding like run off it's that before the wedding even happens, because the wedding still happens, um, she marries uh, Richard Jenkins. Right. A week before the wedding, they go to uh, Mexico together. Yeah, and the the question lingering over Jennifer Aniston's head is, um, is Kevin Costner my father? Yeah. Is, is yeah. Um, and, of course, she's obsessed and, like, God, this is such, like, a fucking stupid... Um, like romantic comedy kind of thing, like to show somebody to, to show a character that is supposed to be like high strung or neurotic or something or kind of like quirky, but in a cute way. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a common trap for these types of movies is like, they'll just present that character as just like talking a mile a minute over other characters trying to talk over them. Um, and, and this was in full display here when like oh, Jennifer yeah. Aniston would just like, like verbally just like, plow through mark ruffalo's attempts to like talk to her um she's like oh i think he's my father i think like oh I, I, maybe maybe he's my real father because i have nothing in common with my family blah 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 and he's like oh honey honey blah, blah, like honey you're being crazy blah. and um i don't know it, it felt so phoned in mm-hmm. like the these attempts at characterizations um especially her be uh jennifer aniston being like I guess neurotic, but like neurotic with a heart of gold. That's kind of the archetype. Yeah, it's strange. It's it's one of those films where people would say there's wall to wall dialogue, but like it literally yes. is just Jennifer Aniston talking for the majority of this film. There's very little w- dialogue between <laughs> characters. The most like dialogue between characters, I guess, is like her and Mark Ruffalo in the beginning a bit in the middle between her and Kevin Costner and then a bit towards the end with like her and her grandma. And then I guess again, her and Mark Ruffalo, but like 
so much of this, like you said, is just Jennifer Aniston just like not allowing these like awkward pauses to exist. Right. Um, Which is surprising because in in the one of the first scenes where um, the father pick up Jennifer Aniston and Mark Ruffalo at the airport to drive them to the house, that kind of had more naturalistic dialogue almost. Like there were awkward pauses like, oh, Mark Ruffalo's meeting his his girlfriend's father for the first time. Right. And and they're talking and it's kind of stilted, but they're making an effort. And it, that that part felt really natural to me. But like as soon as they get out of the car from there, it's just the complete opposite. Yeah. I also didn't believe that Richard Jenkins was a Republican because she tells Mark Ruffalo before right. they meet like, oh, my dad loves golf and he has different politics than me. And you even see like he has a Bob Dole bumper sticker on his car. Um, well, that kind of tracks with like shitty California neoliberal types, right? Yeah. Like they were de- they were Democrat once upon a time, but now that they have like money and property, they're Republican. Yeah, I mean it tracks, but like if they cast anybody but Richard Jenkins, like I just I did he didn't sell the role. Yeah, for vi- me. visually he looks like a a soft Democrat cuck, basically. Which he is. yeah, oh yeah, for sure. Um, and even. I guess, like, I don't know. Even Mina Savari and whoever played her husband character, like, they they didn't sell it very much for me either. They didn't sell it, but, like, with a better script, I could see them as, like, young Republican types. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I think with a better script, it could have it could have worked. Like, they... Especially her, like, yeah. her, her, like, psychotic Tommy Laren energy that she has. <laughs> she does have Tommy Laren energy, yeah. And her and her husband, who's like, what was his name? Scott, I think. Like doofus, I don't know. Yeah, it's really <laughs> I just maybe two lines of dialogue. I, I think I've seen that actor more recently, but I don't even remember his name. I didn't write it down in our show notes, so Fuck it doesn't it. matter. He, he does deserve our memory. He does deserve our brain power. Um, but yeah, the the po- the political angle of this movie is fascinating because like these people are clearly well off and. Um, they live in Pasadena, which is like one of the nicer neighborhoods in LA. Um, and there's a lot of, especially in the beginning, talk about Pasadena. Like there's there's that refrain that a couple of different characters say. They're like, nobody's from LA, but if but if they are, chances are they're from Pasadena. Right. Which is probably a bullshit thing. Someone made it for the script. Probably Rob Reiner. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And like, again, we're we're kind of reaching here, and and we're kind of reusing our Suicide Squad. Um, uh, talking point here but like this kind of inadvertently makes a good case um, against its subject matter like the, right. this does depict like the Pasadena and LA mindset as like hell on earth yeah um, despite itself of course but like it's it's there mm-hmm. no I think it does I mean it's just throughout I just that's all I could think of I was like rich people are fucking terrible yes I would not want to be part of this milieu and so to make do they get into some weird creepy incestuous shit yeah yeah so i guess we have to talk about that because there's not much in this plot honestly (laughs) that's all there is to talk about there's really i mean that's the whole narrative thrust of this film um jennifer anderson finds out that this guy who her mother went to high school with Bo burrows is the character of ben braddock or the basis for the character of ben braddock dustin hoffman's character um, except I guess he's more of like a, a Lothario than Braddock's character. Braddock's character is more like yeah, an Epish kind of guy. They mention throughout the movie at several points um, 
that the book was was based on a true story and um some some key some key details were changed to protect people and then they also mentioned like oh and the movie changed the details too so like it's i guess audience perception of like what what happened is like several steps removed from reality so that gives them like some leeway in um in depictions but yeah uh the the bow burrows character is he's basically kind of like i don't know um who's the guy that owns virgin oh richard branson richard branson yeah yeah. Yeah. he's kind of he's kind of like a venture like this this like adventurous sexy intelligent capable captain of industry yeah um and specifically like a guy who got to start in like the dot-com boom because this place takes place in 1997 they keep talking about like a search engine which i just like assume is google or yahoo or something like that it must it must have been google but yeah so jennifer aniston tracks him down and she well after after the wedding and when mark ruffalo flies back to new york she flies over to san francisco right um to attend this presentation that he's giving and he this is this is insane um so he's given this presentation on on the dot the, like the dot com bubble, and he's like, "Oh, as an amateur Che Guevara scholar, <laughs> I, so I like good. I'm obsessed with the with like with this idea of revolution, and and Che Guevara as a medical doctor described revolution as blah 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 blah. blah. Anyway, that's all to say, the internet revolution isn't coming. The internet revolution has already arrived, and then yep. everyone bursts out into applause, and yep. it's, uh, it, I don't know." It, that was that was a scene <laughs> that yeah. was something to see but like it's honest to like those tech bros right like they it think is, they're making is. a revolution they all think they're che Guevara. like i don't know yep. it, it's it's dumb because it was written by dummies but it is fairly prescient i i, I maybe like ted griffin met like one tech bro back in the day and like mm-hmm. you know he kind of got the flavor for how they speak and how they think yeah it's it's accurate um but that that falls back onto that criticism that we said j- just a few minutes ago, like that this movie is critiquing it despite itself because oh, yeah. um, the the Kevin Costner is supposed to be admirable at least initially. Yeah, like he, he's supposed mm-hmm. to be like, oh, he has everything, he has it all together, when he's clearly just singing bullshit. Yeah, yeah. I mean that aspect of his character, like him being this millionaire, billionaire, even I'm not sure, like that's never dissected really i mean within the actual text of the film they have no interest in going there you know it's like he can jet set around like you know literal jet like he goes to these galas he can just like buy a company you know at a drop of a hat but like really the thing that's bad about him is that he'll fuck every woman in in your family like every generation (laughs) yeah so that's the that's the i don't even know what to call it like the conceit (laughs) behind this movie yeah sure let's go with that the the Kevin Costner as as like the the smart charismatic jock like Mr. Mr. Varsity from his high school um fucked his girlfriend's mom fucked his girlfriend didn't impregnate her and that's what Jennifer Aniston finds out and then when she meets him uh they they hook up too yep um yep. so he he has sex with three women from three different generations of the same family all directly related to each other um and it's quirky and it's funny. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it was. I um, 
I actually wish they like went more into like that aspect of this film. Like they just kind of yes. like breeze over. It. It's like, yeah, that happened. Like that's it. Like let's just, we'll get on with the rest of this plot. Like we'll we'll they, redeem her and like blah blah blah. But I don't know. It's just like that's some dark shit. I feel like that's some dark. That's some Epstein brain <laughs> shit. That's like <laughs> that's that's like the decadence of of the coastal elites indulging in their like Q fantasies, yep. right? Yeah, it's um. And, and they don't even try to hide it because, like, this guy, he lives in not he doesn't live in Pasadena, but he lives in like Sam, some he lives in a uh, half moon bay. Half moon uh, bay, that's been. right. I've, yeah. been there, I've been to half oh, moon really? bay for, for a wedding, <laughs> yes. Um, and it looks familiar because, like, the, the cliffs against the ocean are gorgeous, and it's um, it's like the mo- most expensive property, like, like one of the most expensive areas to live in in the country. Um, but yeah, the, the, it's just like it, it, it may as well be Epstein's Island, right? Because, like, yeah. He's, and his fucking and, house um, looks insane like he has like a villa yeah. like he has like this italian villa yep right on the ocean um, property um yep. he might as well have like the fucking like temple on little saint james because <laughs> uh and he also and he has a photo in his bedroom where he's meeting Bill. Clinton. oh my god i forgot i thought i was thinking more about the fidel photo but that's right he has a clinton photo he meets, he meets, he meets clinton and fidel and he he's he's obsessed with jake Guevara because like I don't know. It's the politics of this movie are like weirdly muted, but they're still there. Oh yeah. And um God damn. Yeah, he, he was flying with Clinton on the, the Lolita Express. Oh my god. Yeah, he's in the flight logs. Let's look for it. Bo Burrows. Do a control Christ, F Bo on that flight log, folks. <laughs> He'd be there. <laughs> fuck it fuck it, Costner's probably there. Costner's probably there, actually. Let's be honest. Um But yeah, he he's a he's a fucking and he, he has his own jet because he flies An- Jennifer Aniston. Up. Yeah. He's like, oh, we'll just hop over to wine country and we'll have dinner there. That's right. Um, and he wines and dines her. And then they go to a ball for charity, which is bullshit because, as we all know, big, big gaudy charity events like that, they, they, they're they the richest way of, like, trying to offset their social responsibility to the welfare state. And so, like, they can... Right. This, this is me going on a tangent, but, like, <laughs> basically... <laughs> Nonprofit organization charity events like that are bullshit because they they let millionaires and billionaires like choose where their money goes to in terms of charitable giving, um, and they also act as tax write off. Right. So they can all like, of avoid. it is tax write off. Yeah, it's it's such bullshit, and it's it's, it's always their pet causes. It's, it's never for like people in actual need. Yeah, but that's not even the point of that scene. The point of that scene, which I fucking loved, I like, I couldn't believe that this was the point of this scene, is because it's called like Casablanca night. And then you have a bunch of rich people like talking about movies, but even that it was like, it, it wasn't even dissecting like rich people don't understand movies or like, you know, like the more well-intentioned, like liberal elite type people who will go, you know, have their own Oscar party. Like they actually don't understand movies. Like that wasn't even the point of that. It was just like the point of that was just like movies nowadays suck like there's that line that the one person says like yes. everything explodes now in movies there, there's too much cgi there's too much cgi the, it's just, and it's not about real this, people but then the same character also said chinatown i love that movie yeah in like, but i don't understand, I understand it, yeah. it but i love it <laughs> but even that was more like cheeky it wasn't really like a criticism sure yeah, you know yeah, like yeah. it was really just like it doesn't matter you don't have to understand it like as long as like you're a patron of the arts and you're you have the right like opinion about movies nowadays and as long as we free roman polanski because that was the subtext of all that shit <laughs> <laughs> 
it really was. The, all those people would say, yeah, I really love Rosemary's Baby, that guy. No way, he's a rapist. That's true. Yep. Um, so then we, we kind of, also in this Casablanca ball charity event, this is also the ground zero for really, um, homing in on, on the cuck themes of this movie because, because, um, Mark Ruffalo, Jennifer Aniston's fiance had been trying to reach her, um, because when she, she flew off to, to meet this guy who may or may not be her father, um, he's like, all right, well call me if you find out what happens. And then like, he goes back to their life in New York for, for like a few days um but yeah unbeknownst to to anyone he he reached um the secretary of kevin costner and he was able to track them down because he he's like it's an emergency i'm worried that my fiance like something happened to my fiance and then he catches her making out with kevin costner thinking that they might be related oh yeah at that point he still thinks they might be related because she actually has like his corporate cell phone like he's like some well he's a lawyer so like he she has like his firm's cell phone like a old school brick cell phone although not enough things are 1997 enough like so many things in this movie are like 2005 this is the same problem that we had with fucking behind enemy lines is like they wanted to make a period piece but they didn't want to do the work of making a period piece because they thought oh five and 1997 they're close enough we don't have to change much really we'll get a few cars that are a little older but we won't change the technology we won't change the the jeans like every woman mm -hmm. in that movie is wearing like low-rise jeans like every scene is so obvious it's not 1990s fashion even even like kevin costner's suit was like yeah. mid-aughts style. Mm-hmm. It, w- it was not like a 90s style suit. Right. Even everything Muff- Ruffalo wears, like mm-hmm. just really nothing is like, you know, you don't get anybody like wearing like one of those like blocky, you know, like windbreakers, you know, like blocky primary you know that, color um, windbreakers. Like that that Twitter account, um, it's like movie movie debut photos oh, yeah. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, like shit like that. Yeah. Just like really, like really ostentatious like 90s look yep. of, especially the suit. Like a like a guy that's like invest in the dot com bubble, like talking about Che Guevara at an inspirational speech. Are you fucking kidding yeah. me? Of course his suit would be like ten times too too big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he would look uh like uh stop making sense like uh David Byrne. <laughs> yeah. Yes. <laughs> um. So yeah, Ruffalo is pissed. He doesn't hulk out. He just he just leaves. Yeah. Um. He just flies home. That's it. It's really it. Like we maybe see him for ten minutes of the movie. He pops in and out. He he's in it for a fair amount at the beginning. Yeah, I guess he's in the majority of the beginning of the film. Um, yeah. He has one of the best lines in the movie, and I was like, "Hell yeah, Mark Ruffalo with his SJ Dub bona fides." Uh, when he's talking to one of the rich people, and the guy, yes. I don't know what they're talking about. It sounds like they're talking about the war because he's uh, Mark Ruffalo says to this old rich guy, he's like, "Yeah, I was stationed uh, down the block at one of the internment camps." <laughs> Yes, ostensibly I was really thrown by that line the because Japanese like, internment camps of the uh, World War Two era. I was really, I was really thrown by that line because, like, I, I didn't know if he was supposed to be like, if if he actually was a vet and he he was stationed somewhere, <laughs> but like he was making like an oblique <laughs> reference, like because because there is, there is that element, like you said at the beginning, like um, Jennifer Aniston's family is set up as Republicans, but right. she's the, she's the black sheep because yeah. she is more liberal, and that's why she's with uh, Mark Ruffalo. But I, I, again, like in in a backwards way, completely unintentional. This movie kind of reflects reality because for a lot of like 
party line voter people, that is how they process politics, right? Like it, it's kind of like this is my team, but I'm still friendly with people who are on the other team. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even like there was very little antagonism between like her and her father, right? It's there just was like none. there was. I, he was like corny was, and boring. Uh, and so was like her sister, Annie and her husband, Scott, but that was about it. It wasn't like they never talked about politics. They never brought anything up. I mean, the man has a fucking Bob Dole bumper sticker and it's just like, yeah, they're bad, I guess. But also I'm going to like go out of my way to rectify like our family history in their favor. And, and even, even the antagonism, the, the, the deliberately faint antagonism between Ruffalo and and her father, um, it's all predicated around like Mark Ruffalo is too touchy feely. It's <laughs> not. Right. It's it like he he tries to hug him a couple times and he's like, "What are you doing? Like, don't hug me." Yeah. Um. But yeah, it, it's it's they don't even get into like reductive Hollywood stereotypes about like the wine track versus the beer track, right? Like the snobs versus the slobs. It's, it's like I don't know it. it they, they they don't even touch upon the political thing. So like to bring it up is very strange. If if they if it's like doesn't form a part of the characterization, such as it is. Yeah. No. There's nothing. I mean, there's not even like there's no like racist jokes. Like they're in California. Like Richard Jenkins doesn't make any jokes about Mexicans. Like nothing. Like there's literally right. nothing that says like, "Hi, I'm a Republican." Like even in the stereotypical right. manner, you know. Like it's just like they're rich. That's it. He's got the bumper sticker, uh, mm-hmm. and he likes golf. Like that's as far as they go with the stereotypes. Yeah, I guess like all I can imagine is just like th- this is how isolated and like very privileged white people like working and living in Hollywood kind of processed politics at the time because this was like the very start of the second Bush administration. Um, and I, and I don't know, just like, I think popular media at the time was very sanitary. If it wasn't extremely overtly like propaganda, you know, like right. kind of like uh, behind enemy lines, it was more sanitized. It was more like, oh, we're, we're all, we're all Americans. We're all like, all, we're all on the same team. But um, despite our differences, like family is what matters. And that's kind of what this movie is angling at. Yeah. And plus the sleight of hand of having it be 1997, right? It's like... It's not yeah. taking place in 2005 when the war on terror just started. Like it's not not even a decade before, which is so weird. Right. Yeah, it's like only I can't do the math. What eight, is that eight years. eight years before? Like that's yeah. it. You know. And what's and what's really weird is like they there a lot of this movie, like a lot of the dialogue. Well, not a lot, but like enough that I noticed of the dialogue of, the, of this movie is like devoted to figuring out the math of how this could all make sense. Yeah. Like they like they they show off that they've done the work and like it could it, it technically it all fits right right they're like oh well if you if you were born in 1964 and 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 it's 1997 now I haven't done the math like they say I haven't done the math <laughs> right like two or three times like different characters say it but like the implication is oh the screenwriters did the math because it works mm-hmm. and and that's so like, like yeah, that's we, their we cover it. for making it 1997. Right, it's like yes, ex- exactly. We that, have to that's do what this. Like, it has yeah. to be this decade because of the math of the original book and movie. But really, like, we just want to make a apolitical yeah. film in what we can say is an apolitical time, or what we think in hindsight is an apolitical time. Um, I think four years after nine eleven, P- 
people would have considered the 90s as like the golden yeah, era. I think so. Definitely. Especially like the liberals making this movie. I mean, someone like Rob Reiner, for sure. Oh my God, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure... I'm not sure. I know like he was very pro-Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. He made some movie about the Bush era, actually, that went like direct to video. Yeah, it's his last movie he made. It's called like Shock and Awe. And uh, no one saw it and no one's ever heard of it. We might have to do that. We might have to do that. He also made an wow. LBJ film that's not the Walter White LBJ film. It's it's not okay. the Brian Cranston one that was for HBO. It's the right. Woody Harrelson LBJ film. Uh, you know, I can kind of see that. I can see it. <laughs> he's <laughs> also from Texas. <laughs> yeah. Woody Harrelson's dad yeah, was, was a hitman? Yes. Yeah. Yes, his dad was involved in the mob. That is yeah. true. I knew that. And he's an anarchist, I think, Woody Harrelson. I mean, self-proclaimed Shit. anarchist is my understanding. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. As long as he's not like, you know, in cap, cap, he's fine. <sighs> I don't know. He probably is. I mean, he, you yeah, probably have I to mean, be yeah. to be like a Hollywood star and be an anarchist. He's, he's, I mean, he has wealth, so he's at least okay with it. Yeah, exactly. Also, I love how we're trying desperately not to talk about this fucking movie right now. <laughs> I'm panicking. I'm like looking at the chair. I'm like, all right, we got a little bit more. We got to talk you, about this. Thank you, Woody Harrelson. <laughs> um, Where were we? Um, well, we didn't oh, talk yeah, about how we Cox figure out that Costner. Costner's sterile, though. So we learned that he's sterile. Oh, my God. Because he played soccer, which I thought was hilarious that it wasn't football. Uh, he, Yeah, it, it was soccer. Yeah. Yeah. But it was strange. It was like, because like you said, he was like supposed to be like this like virile varsity man, you know? But mm-hmm. like he played soccer. and He plays the, the gay European sport. The gay sport. European sport. <laughs> like, um, and then he gets his nuts kicked in. He, some, some, some guy that was passing to someone else that he was trying to steal the ball from swung his foot back to kick the ball. And in doing so... He, as Kevin Costner says, he kicked the wrong ball. Yep. You get it? On the, on Do you the, get it, guys? Yeah. yeah <laughs> testicles. Where, where P is stored. Um, yeah. <laughs> definitely. So, yeah, he, he is functionally sterile. Um, of course, he can still bang, but he can't reproduce. Right. Because of blunt testicular trauma. That's what he says. And they, they do that mid-aughts thing where they repeat that phrase several times mm. because yeah. that's funny and that's the joke, even though it's not a joke. Yeah. That's that's the funny thing we're supposed to laugh yeah. at. So what we're saying is that Kevin Costner's character, Bo Burrows, is Geralt of Rivia from The Witcher series <laughs> because he is a Casanova type love- who is sterile. Thank you. Thank you for providing the the requisite nerd drop for this yeah. episode because i've i've been heavy on those lately but like you, <laughs> witcher witcher is your w- wheelhouse it so. is yeah. yeah and the witchers for those of you who don't know are mutants they're not born witchers they're turned into okay. witchers through a ceremony um certain boys i think mostly orphans are picked to go through the ceremony that mutates them that turns them into monster hunters and in that process it makes them sterile Okay, but they can still bang. They can still bang. So you can yeah. still do the dating sim in the games. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Interesting. In Wisher 3, there's... I mean, there's numerous people you can have sex with, but there's, like, right. two main ones. There's right. uh, Yennefer and then the redhead, who I forget. Mm-hmm. Okay. I did the wrong thing. I wooed both of them. In the end, you don't get to be with either one. 
Spoiler, folks. Sorry. The game's Ooh. like five years old. Fuck you. Yeah. yeah. Is, we don't believe in spoilers yeah, anyway. We don't. Show. We don't. Yeah. We have to like pretend though. Yeah. We true. should also talk about this movie. <laughs> <laughs> we shouldn't because fuck this piece of shit. Um, God, fine. We'll, we'll, we'll run through it. Um, Jennifer Aniston's really, really torn up that, that Mark Ruffalo saw her cheating on him. Um, and so she goes back to her home. Uh, or she goes back to her grandmother's house. Yeah. Because she has nowhere else to go. Mm. And then she confesses to her, like, oh, I, I slept with Bo, too. Um, but then we find out that her sister is having a hysterical panic attack because she's freaked out that she's getting married. And, well, she got married. Because she freaks out she, yeah, on well, the she's plane out that she's, to right. their South American... Um, to Little St. James. Yeah, to, <laughs> to, no, to, to Big St. James or Grand St. James or whatever it's called. Yeah. <laughs> For yeah, their yeah, honeymoon. Jesus. Yeah. Um, Bo St. James. Bo St. James. Um, <laughs> so yeah, she she's have she's freaking out. She's having a panic attack because she thinks she made a mistake by getting married. Yeah, um, she did. Because Scott like, sucks. Oh, her her husband is terrible. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Her husband kind of reminded me of um. Oh my god, what's Gary Busey's son? Jake Busey. Jake Busey, like a more like a more conventional looking Jake Busey. Yeah, that's true. Tall, like mop headed. Yeah. Nordic kind mm-hmm. of weird yeah. Cro-Magnon aspect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Effect, yeah, but like you said, more um, like less Cro Magnum, more right, like right. Dial- Homo sapien. He, yeah, he's he's a more successful strain of the of the Jake Busey <laughs> breed. <laughs> Jake Busey was in uh, the new Stranger Things season, actually. Damn. Okay. Yeah, he played an asshole. Was he a Russian? Uh, no, no, he actually was an American. He played an asshole. I don't know if he was like a publisher or an editor of the newspaper, but he was like on the board of directors, I think, of like a local newspaper in Hawkins, Indiana. Sure. But he was like sure. a womanizing misogynist type. Right, because that, that was that subplot. Like Nancy, I think, was like encountering sexism yeah, in the industry. Exactly. Or whatever. Okay. Yeah, so he's kind of the main uh, purveyor of that. Um, so back to rumor has it. Jeez, <laughs> <laughs> you guys are doing this. But so Scott is, I would say Scott is our, I don't know. I guess Jennifer Aniston could be our fail child, but they're both kind of fail yeah. children because because she she has the I I'm not a journalist, but everyone thinks I am kind of right. like career trouble, right? And of course the the messed up love life. Um, Ruffalo kind of has he, he has. Oh, you you were talking about. Scott, I was talking about the, Scott, not <laughs> the husband character, who, the actor. I don't um, know his name, and I don't care. He's kind of more of a non-entity he, yeah. he's too much of a non-entity yeah. to really be characterized I, I i think jennifer aniston sarah is is the fail child i would say so although scott has my favorite line and it's right when they call uh, jennifer aniston over because mm-hmm. her sister's having the mental breakdown jennifer aniston walks through the door of her father's house and scott says we're making her favorite soup tomato with crumble crackers want some and it's just like incredible. It's like a sublime fucking line read. I just, I just loved it. I had to like rewatch that because I just loved it <laughs> yes, so it's much. A- <laughs> I do remember that. Jesus Christ. Yeah, he he's he's too good natured to be a fellow yeah, child. He's true. like he he's just like the sweet dullard. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no that that was oh god that was a. Although I do like his introduction, his introduction, Annie's and Rich Jenkins where they're all wearing white polos because like they're all going to go golfing 
Mm-hmm. And it just reminded yes. me of uh, the film Funny Games, where like the two guys who like break into the yes. house. Oh my god! <laughs> I just that's the film I want to see. Like this film, except it's actually true. they get funny gamed. <laughs> oh my god! And I mean, if there's anyone that's like that deserves it, it's this this bevy of rich assholes that we meet in this movie, yeah. right? Yeah. Um. So yeah, they Sarah and her sister kind of reconcile. They they open up to each other. Um, Jennifer Aniston tells her sister all about how she had sex with the same one who had the same guy who had sex with her mother and and her grandmother. And it's like um, all news then, to her sister Annie, like because she's the yeah more she had innocent. She had no idea. Yeah, she's been sheltered from all these harsh realities. And um, that's when Bo shows up. Um, and he's confronted by grandma. Yeah. And they play um, the good, the bad, the ugly thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't really do um, the shots, though. They don't do the, like, like, Sergio Leone shots, though, right? Like, of the eyes and then, like, oh, wide God, no, shots no, no, and no. stuff like that. Like, they're not smart enough why, to do that. Why would they? That would require some token <laughs> effort on their part. Like, right, yeah. And that, that would have been so easy, too, because, she, like, she puts on sunglasses before she goes out to confront him. Right. So, like, they could have just done like that like she right. off she takes him off in, in a yeah. you know uh, extreme close-up of the eyes and then you know it goes to i don't know he's like tapping his hand on the roof of his convertible and then you just go exactly. to her tapping yeah, her like hand on her hips and then you go to the wide establishing shot of them you know looking uh across like the a flat distance from each really other yeah back. like yeah. it's it had been so easy, and maybe that's why Rob Reiner kicked off the DP, the other DP. He was like, uh, I don't like your smart film school ideas. <laughs> well, extreme close-ups, what is this? Like, <laughs> you, you think you're making The Graduate, man? Like, <laughs> I only do extreme close-ups if, like, there's a piece of paper, and I need them to read the letter on the piece of oh paper. Oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> Fuck. We, we really could make a better movie than this. Like, if, yeah. if, if we had half the budget. That, that this movie and it's did. not a lot, right? What was it, seventy million? I mean, that's you know, like, it's so it's funny because, as we said in the Casablanca gala, rich people charity scene, like they say, oh, no one makes movies about real people anymore, and like, my response to that is like, yeah, you don't either, Rob Reiner. Like, yeah, you, <laughs> first of all, you don't make movies. <laughs> like you don't, you you assholes don't. You sit around and you luxuriate in your wealth and you have sex with your children and shit like that's how you do um but yeah like movie i it's just such like a shallow mindless criticism because like even in 2005 like independent cinema it was out there and like you you, that that was kind of like the early days of the internet so like people people didn't have as much accessibility to a lot of like things that they do now right but um, like in independent movies and independent like, I guess like video stores and, and access to these movies were there. And like if people really, if, if these people really cared half as much as they say they do, or like the, as this movie says they do, like you can, you can find real movies out there that don't have the dreaded CGI in them. Right, for sure. Um, you know, and someone like Rob Reiner would probably only focus on like American made films, you know, like, so it's like, you're not talking about what's being made in like Southeast Asia or, you know, Eastern Europe, like places in the early two thousands that were making like year after year, these really incredible, 
independent features. Um, well, according to Rob Reiner, the only value that those places have are as like quirky little side trips for Elijah Wood yes. to visit. That's in <laughs> our upcoming episode of the film North. Oh my yeah, I'm, I'm <laughs> dreading that one. I, I've heard I've heard things about that movie. Yeah, I've seen bits and pieces of it on TV back in the day. I've seen like the Africa scene, and I think I've seen like the Alaska or Inuit scene before. Yeah, I think it's like nor- really northern Canada. It's like not America. Yeah, I think goes, right. Yeah, I think that's correct. Fuck, I'm not looking forward to no. that shit. No, is it? It'll probably yeah. It'll be our first Elijah Wood film. Yeah, uh, yeah, I don't, yeah. It's. I can't even think of like anything that's not Lord of the Rings or Over the Garden Wall that he's in besides Back to the Future Two. He's in the Sin City, I guess. Yeah, he's in that. He's in the Faculty. You've ever seen that film, the Alien film, mm-hmm. the Faculty. No. I think that's also uh, Rodriguez made that film as well. Okay, don't quote me on that, folks. Oh, uh, we might have to do this one. A Rodriguez film that he's in is um, Spy Kids um, 3D Game Over. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He he's the guy in that movie. He right. he has 99 hit points as opposed to everyone. Every, every, everyone else starts with like five hit points, but he has like 99 or 100 or something. Yeah, he's he's in it for like five seconds. Yeah, I think that was the last of the Spy Kids films like I saw in theaters. I think like I aged out of it mm-hmm. after that one. You didn't see the Spy Kids, uh, the fourth movie where they do 4D and they introduce the fourth sense of smell. I don't know. Is that the, the one? Fourth which dimension? is the one that's on like the island and the guy makes the little like creatures? Spy Kids Two, Island, Spy Kids Two, Island of Lost Dreams. That's um, Bashemi. Yes, he's the he's the the mad scientist yeah. in that movie. Yeah. Yep, and that's the movie where they say that the amazing quote. Uh, Buscemi says it. He's like, "Do you think God stays in his creation? Do you think God stays in his heaven because he too fears what he has created?" Yeah, he fears that he he's created humans who created rumor has it. <laughs> <laughs> Who's which? He's also God has also created us who's creating this podcast. Yeah. And we're abandoning our misbegotten child here by not discussing yeah. this movie. Although I guess yeah, creating us balances out Rob Reiner creating rumor has it. Yes, I'm gonna go there, folks. Yeah, the 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 existence of this one episode of our podcast um validates the existence of Rumor Has It. Yep. We have no humility. No. This is all truth. <laughs> no fluff. We have, we have as much humility. We have as much humility as Bo Burrows did when he showed up to his um, erstwhile paramour's house um, to confront her and say sorry or something. Because um, after he's confronted by Grandma, of course Jennifer Aniston comes out and she's like, "What are you doing here? What are you doing here?" And then the dad comes yeah. out and he's like, "You fucker." Like you have haunted my dreams all these years. <laughs> I I I haven't gotten like a good night's sleep in like forty years because of this guy. And everyone's like, "What? The, like, does he know? Yeah. Does he yeah. know that he slept with his mom, his his wife, and his daughter?" And then he's like, "You stole that. You you ruined that game winning shot from me back in yep. the football game, or back in the soccer game." <laughs> so, while well, Kevin Costner cocked this guy. This guy sterilized Kevin Costner. So they're basically even. Although the sterilization of Kevin Costner is the reason that Kevin Costner feels okay fucking Jennifer Aniston, though. Yes. 
And um, this this scene's interesting because this is where I picked up on one of the good aspects of the movie. Um, it it kind of had like a Shakespearean comedic element mm. to it. Yeah. Like cause it, like like one of the one of the bodier Shakespeare comedy like much do about nothing or whatever like lots of, lots of sex yep. um, discussion of sex and like sexual taboos and like cross pollination of people fucking other people right. like, like that. I you, you could take like the the bare bones of this setup and um, of course if it had like infinitely better dialogue and infinitely better characterization and, and acting um, it could be like a funny witty sex comedy which which is a lot of Shakespeare um, but yeah I mean that again that that's me like like injuring myself by working so far. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I it's there, right? I mean, like, I think the skeleton of a more interesting film is there. Um, there, there really is no meat on the bones, though, for this film. Like, there's nothing to sink your teeth into at all. Um, no. Even when, like, there's that one moment where um, we meet Kevin Costner's son, dun dun dun, yes. during the Casablanca I mean, that, Gala. Yep. And, and then Jenna, Jennifer Aniston freaks out because she thought she thinks that's proof that Kevin Costner can procreate, which means she probably slept with her with her own father. Right. And if it was left at that, and it was like, oh shit, she did. Like, I mean, sure, okay, you know, trigger warning: incest is bad and wrong and weird and gross. <laughs> but like, Procon is firmly against incest. We, I, we, I, I repeat, we are against incest here, folks. Like, we are not interested in anything like that. But it would be a fucking better movie than this fucking movie. Yes. 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 Um, and again, that that that's just like a classic Shakespearean comedy of errors. Like, right. like misunderstandings. Oops, I fucked my dad. On top of each other. Yeah, oops, maybe I fucked my, my, mine own father because, like, <laughs> like this, this random layabout has, like, swung by and he's getting drunk and he's hitting on me. But yeah, no, it, it's not there. Um, of course, Jennifer Aniston says goodbye to Bo, and he kind of like rides off into the sunset, and then she goes back to Mark Ruffalo, and they make they make up, and they do get married. Yeah, yeah. But like, it's it just they never make sense as a couple either. Like, there's oh god no. The first scene we meet them, they're in the airplane going to Pasadena from New York, and. Like Nick was saying, Jennifer Francis is talking like a mile a minute and they're talking about their engagement and how they're not going to announce their engagement at the sister's wedding because that'd be gauche, which like is true. Who the fuck would do that? Like it's it's sh- like it should be obvious, but it actually seems like they were going to do it for a minute. Like it's it's strange. Yeah. Um, and then like randomly Jennifer Aniston's like, let's go fuck in the bathroom. Oh, my God. That was in like what they're trying to do is show like she is passionate and she is like spontaneous and he's kind of stayed and he's kind of more, more humdrum and he just wants stability. Um, and of course when this collides in the, in the, in the bathroom stall, the airplane bathroom where they try to have sex. Um, Oh no, it's like a physical comedy thing. They're tripping over each other and they, they, they can't do it. So it's just going to be awkward, but like it, it feels so forced. Um, yeah. That characterization, that that very much intended characterization, doesn't come through. They, they're they're both good actors. Like Ruffalo and Anderson are both good at what they do. It's just like it doesn't come through at all. Mm, no, I mean, they're given shit to work with. I mean, it's just a reality. No. They're given some of yeah. the worst lines in this film. Um, yeah. I mean, not to say there's characters who are given better lines, honestly. I guess, but I don't know. 
I mean, the the internet revolution has arrived. It's a pretty yeah, good one. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I guess he gets all the best ones. And again, like I'm I'm not a huge fan of Costner. I think like he's he's okay, but he he's his fame kind of baffles me. Like the his, his he's not a great actor by any stretch of the imagination. But like he seems more engaged here, which is like I was saying earlier, which is kind of kind of mind blowing. Yeah, I don't know what it is about Costner. I mean. Th- the good looks i guess like he's an attractive looking guy you know he's kind of like he, I, I, the every man I guess he had, character yeah he kind of i guess like people could interpret it as like kind of classic leading man like silent strength and dignity kind of like aspect like he's just like you know he's working he's out he's out working the land and he he can stare off into the sunset and he has like this craggy good looks i guess yeah. i don't know plus the vulnerability right as well because he's, he's always plays these more yeah. vulnerable types and dances, dances with, wolves with wolves is the big one i mean even his his turn in Wyatt earp i think is like a more vulnerable version of that character right which again folks that will be a future episode i oh I, my God. i've watched that film way too many times isn't that like three hours long it's yes it's three hours long and watch you when you watch it on amc uh it's like six hours long with commercials it's like half the day yeah, yes it's half the day um i have fond memories of watching that in uh Does in my it, parents house is randy quaid duck holiday in that movie yes he is yep Buck, mm-hmm. yes. <laughs> yeah, Brandy Quaid. There's just a, a crazy cast, actually. Everybody talks about, yeah. of course, Tombstone and, and that Tombstone, cast. Tombstone's the other um, one, yeah. But, yeah, no, uh, Wyatt Earp has a great cast. Damn. Yeah. And it and doesn't just take place in Tombstone, so it's, you know, it's it's their time from... Um, I forget where they start out originally. I they forget. don't start out yeah, in Tombstone, but it's, it's, it's basically their like life as teenagers through old age so right because because erp ends up in california doesn't he because yeah. like he mm-hmm. he consults on like the early westerns and stuff yes they don't go that far unfortunately okay they don't go as okay. far as like that would be that would be fascinating yeah. but they go to his time in california and maybe even alaska i want to say like um they, that's where they right. end up but yeah they they um that would have been great if they went into his uh, his Hollywood days, which... I mean, anyway, when I think of Costner, I just think of Waterworld. <laughs> I, just think, I just think of 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 that most famous of characters, the Mariner, as he's known. That's right. Yeah. The Marinator. The Marinator. Marinating in his own filth. His own pee, right? Don't they have, like, a his machine own... that changes their pee into water? He, he, he has a little doohickey, and you pump it, and it changes yeah. his pee into water. Yeah, it's like the yeah. still suits. Not nearly as cool as the still because <laughs> the still suits do it automatically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so Jennifer Aniston and Mark Ruffalo get back together, and like that's yeah, they, kind of it. They get back together. Um, My favorite line though at the end is when he's like, "If we have a daughter," and she's like, "She's not gonna go within like five miles, a thousand, a thousand miles, miles of yeah. of Bow Burrows." But then, as the credits roll, we get like home video footage of their wedding. Yep and yep. uh annie her sister is pregnant and in my mind i was like well annie oh, never said anything shit. about her daughter not fucking kevin costner <laughs> oh my god fourth time's the charm right that's jesus Christ. so we just have to wait until kevin costner is let's see uh i mean we'd have to wait that long like maybe 
another like seven or eight years and then he can make the sequel to this movie damn yeah that oh my god i mean it, it would just be straight up epstein shit at that point right yeah. like this yeah. <laughs> so workers of note we have one and that's oh yeah we, we got yeah, one here's our <laughs> surprise folks so one of the actors the only actor who i recognized cut from the film by rob reiner was uh charlie hunnam damn yeah. Do you have any idea what role? I think he would have played Scott, the husband, Annie's husband, the guy with the tomato soup line. Okay. Yeah. I think he would have <laughs> played that odd. or he would have played Kevin Costner's son because those characters all look yeah. alike. Like, they're all blonde that guy, guys. That guy had a pretty good um, line, too. He just he straight up says to Jennifer Aniston, do you want to fuck? That's right. Or do you want to have sex? Yes, that's He's right. Like, do you want to have sex? Yeah. Yeah. So I think he could have been Charlie Hunnan's character or or Scott. I don't know, mm-hmm. but yeah, um, kudos to Charlie Hunnan for getting cut from this fucking movie. You were able to go on to bigger and better things. Actually, I have no idea what he was doing around this time. Like I didn't even know he'd be up for a role. I don't know. Is he British? Australian? God, I I think he's like Australian or New Zealand or something. Let's do some research. Right now, <laughs> survey says Charlie Hunnam. He's he's English. Where is he from? Boom! I close up the window. Hold on, <laughs> <laughs> folks. I swear to God, this is more entertaining than the actual. Yeah, movie. please don't watch it. It's on Netflix if you feel like it, but don't. Don't you don't feel like it? <laughs> um, he's, he's from um. Oh God, fucking fucking England. Uh, Newcastle, Tyne, and where? Where exactly? Where? <laughs> no, it, it's 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 one. Okay, Newcastle upon Tyne, commonly known as Newcastle, which is in Tyne and where? Yeah, where you have Tyne an answer and where? Question where? Newcastle. Okay, so this wasn't. It was a better bit in my head. Like oh, a who's on first? Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah. yeah. Who's mm. on? Who's on first? Yeah. Uh. It was better in my head. This won't be cut, folks. You will listen to this portion. <laughs> I wonder if he's pro leave or remain. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. We're also gonna look that up. <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> Charlie. Oh, Charlie Hanuman Brexit. A lot of people get hurt. He laments Brexit catastrophe. So I guess he's. Remain. But he voted leave. <laughs> no. <I'm kidding. laughs> look. Okay. If we want to get into it, like as far as I understand it, leave is a decent idea but like it has to be leave with a plan it can't just be right like a no deal it can't Brexit. be a no deal because like, because that, that, that's what i understand uh corbyn's position yeah. is like like mm-hmm. the eu is not a good thing right. by and large right. but like just 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 walking away is stupid yeah, exactly i mean well the the campaign was you know the remainers the leavers and then there was the left version of of the levers uh, the left version of brexit was lexit but i mean like it didn't really have the power that like the political power that brexit did is my understanding so you know it's here right. we I are mean, now it, it's it's a very like simplistic and effective like right-wing populist concept right yeah. just like brexit one england where we're gonna be our own our own country yeah. um folks in this time of trouble <laughs> please think of northern ireland Yes, um, and the border oh counties God, yes. of 
the Republic uh, and and mm-hmm. and Northern Ireland because they'll be the ones hit hardest with all of this. I mean, speaking of throwbacks to the '90s, right? Like this movie is right around the time. Yeah, yeah, 1997. Nineteen ninety eight would be the last year of the Troubles because the Good mm-hmm. Friday Agreement of nineteen ninety eight. So, um, folks, I will mention the Troubles in as many episodes as I possibly can. <laughs> uh, sorry, it's just what I'm going to do. No, no, it, it 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 it's appropriate. It's I mean. It's the other side of the apocalypse. Like the apocalypse is going on the other side of the globe right now. So yep, yeah. Hell world, hell world, hell world abides. Hell world, folks. Um, Closing thoughts on <laughs> rumor has it. So uh, yeah, Nick, who would you recommend this film to? Uh, I guess for a broke recommendation, um, fans of The Graduate. Uh, if if masochistic fans of The Graduate, if like you're well, I, I guess, like, The Graduate is one of those movies I can see having a fandom all into its own just because it's so influential and it was so famous. So, like, if, if that's... Some some people really latch on to some, just some films. They just do that. They just grab people. So, like, if that's a movie that you find yourself really gravitating towards, um, th- this movie would unironically be an interesting exercise to just, like, learn about or, or even watch, like, heaven forbid um but i i could see how like if you're really invested in the graduate knowing that there's like this whole other production that kind of spun off from it what 30 years later that that would be like that that's interesting i guess Mm -hmm. yeah um and that brings up the graduate extended universe which includes a novel sequel um, oh my fucking! Written God. by Charles Webb. Um, yep. In 2005, the same year. Do you think he's related to Mark Webb, the guy that directed Amazing Spider-Man? <laughs> and 500 Days of Summer. Yes. Uh, which graduate? Yeah. <laughs> I I doubt it. You you describe the novel sequel, and I'm going okay. to right now. Um. So, Mark Webb. Oh shit! No, Charles Webb is this guy's name. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> um. Charles Webb was afraid that if he wrote a sequel, it would be made into a movie. So he waited until like 05 to actually finish his sequel to The Graduate, which does still follow Benjamin Braddock and Elizabeth. And and Mrs. Robinson apparently pops up as well. Um, but it takes place, I think, in the 70s. Um, they have two kids, two boys, and the film is about how they have to fight their township to let their kids be homeschooled like that is the conflict in the novel (laughs) yeah benjamin becomes a sovereign citizen (laughs) (laughs) oh my god yeah um no mark webb is not related to to charles charles webb and and funny enough uh apparently the only reason that homeschooling is a plot point in the in the sequel is because like charles webb had to fight to have his kids homeschooled like with his township like that's that's literally it yeah (laughs) which is a very very pasadena thing to do yeah to be like like trying to homeschool your kids and like to make it in like a a pet issue and privileged white people bullshit yeah definitely which leads us to our woke recommendation um so all you fell children out there who would like to revel in the misery of rich people, uh, this is the film for you. I mean, it's just yep. generation of generation of shitty rich family wreaking havoc on one of another. 
so yeah, it's worth it for that alone. <laughs> and our uh, bespoke recommendation. Um, we're we're friends with some LA people, some LA film people specifically. Um, any of them that just want to get some heartburn because this movie is <laughs> such a piece of shit. <laughs> just like if you want to have a good, like a legitimate excuse, if you feel bad about lying to your boss, which you shouldn't, by the way. But if you do, and you want to make yourself queasy, this is a good. Um, and just watch this shit because like even like th- this movie would would deliver that on two levels because like if you really buy into la film culture this movie is a piece of shit but if you just kind of see through that crap and you're just you don't buy into that shit this movie still is a piece of shit too yeah. um so it will offend on it will offend uh both halves of the brain there mm-hmm. yeah um brains are broken after watching this film our brains will yeah, never be the um, same. This podcast will never no. be the same. <laughs> no, it won't. Jesus, this one, this was a rough one. Yeah, it was a rough one. But we 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 carried off pretty well. But it's just like, yeah, we we gotta we have to find like another rhinestone, like a movie that we like enjoy mm-hmm. watch, like that we actually come away from really enjoying. Right? Yeah, especially one of these more like semi romantic comedy, you know, which is why I was thinking yeah, rhinestone exactly. Yeah, it's it's hard. I don't know. I mean, especially like the two thousands, early two thousands. It seems like most of those just are trash. We might have to go into yeah. the eighties or nineties to find another like shit. What you know, some people would say is a shitty romantic comedy that's actually good. Right. Right. I don't know. We'll, we'll find, find one. one. Yeah. It wasn't cocktail. That's for sure. Oh that my was god. Also <laughs> awful. Yeah. I'm just going through the list of the few romantic comedies that we've done. Mm-hmm. I don't think we've done yeah. any other ones. It's a genre I love. I mean, I, you know, I love um, 30s and, and 40s a, a bit. I mean, they kind of stopped being good in the 40s. There's really the 30s is right. the best decade for them because they're more about class um, politics mm-hmm. and, and class conflict. Um, I mean, The Graduate is arguably a romantic comedy. That's yeah. quite yeah. good. Yeah. In my romantic comedy class in college, we talked about The Graduates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Damn. Uh, Venom is a romantic that's comedy. True. <laughs> that's I, quite actually, good. Yeah, our first episode, we did a romantic comedy. That's true. The best romantic comedy since uh, the 30s, yeah. Since The Graduates. <laughs> <laughs> that's as good a note as any to leave on, yep. folks. Uh, so we'll see you next time. See you then. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. Because a vision softly creeping Left its seeds while I was sleeping And the vision that was planted in my brain Still remains within the sound of silence In restless dreams I walked alone streets of cobblestone